Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we are celebrating our 50th episode. That wasn't as exciting as I thought that was going to be. <laughs> we have a special 50th episode. We have a very, very super duper special guest appearance from someone that's going to ask us the questions. You'll have to watch and see. And we're going to answer a few questions. We're going to talk about certs for new grads. We're going to talk about shoulder biomechanics and about chronic pain. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show. Helping people feel better move better and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to a very special episode of the podcast. Today is officially our 50th episode. Wow. Congratulations. 50 down and 50 to go, but uh, it's been a crazy year. I mean, we've been doing one a week for, for you know, almost the entire year, so uh, we're pretty much there, but, you know, crazy year of, of sharing and, and answering some awesome questions on the podcast, so thank you guys. Thank everybody here for being a big part of it. Um, be sure to subscribe. Go to the uh, go to the website, MikeReynolds.com. Click on the podcast link. Ask us more questions. We'd love the questions. Subscribe. Give us a sweet review on iTunes. That would be great great. Um, but yeah, congrats. Congrats to all you guys. Thanks for everybody being a part. Uh, we have a very, very special episode. So We're all in matching uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so we, we, got, we, all got, matching we all got dressed up. For our <laughs> Mike, what are you wearing to the podcast? <laughs> so we all, we all coordinated our outfits today. But what do you guys think? We all wore the same outfits. Wow. Is that pretty cool? We'll look off. Pretty solid. <laughs> Pretty good. So we all wore the gray and black today for some reason. That was that was unintentional. We're gonna pause in there. Uh, Len, this is the deja vu. Len, what's the statistical probability of us? Well, we always wear blacks or blues or grays. So there's a very so good three. chance of three. There's th- four of us. Three to the fourth. Three variations nine, of polos. So, do we square root that? A, to the square root of the three variations. Eighty-eight of, miles an hour. Inverse relationship. <laughs> the flux capacitor. Statistically, it's very challenging. (laughs) It's statistically very challenging for us to all have the same outfit on. So, congratulations, you guys. Uh, Have a very special and lucky episode for our 50th episode. But more importantly, we have an amazing special surprise for you guys. We've brought back the one and only, our very first student to, to, to work with us on the podcast. That we all know and love. Am I, am I building up the suspense? I'm so excited. Who is it? And I have one more amazing announcement for you. The Gabinator is The Gabinator has, has agreed to join us for the podcast this episode. He is coming in uh, via FaceTime and doing a little heads-up display, and he's going to be asking our awesome questions today uh, for the podcast episode. To celebrate the 50th, we wanted to bring Gabinator back on. So, Sorry. Gabe... Before we get going, what's up with you, buddy? What are you doing? What, where, what's your life like? Well, right now it's about 70 degrees outside, sitting out here in Phoenix, Arizona. A um, little, little different than Boston, uh, I will say that much, but things are going pretty good. 
Awesome, good. So what's in tap for you now, man? We heard you're moving back to Georgia. What's going on? You're, uh, you're, you're a physical therapist. You graduated college. What else is going on? Um, you know, just trying to learn as much as I can being a new clinician, trying to find the best fit for me, and then just move my career forward. Books. Awesome. Well said. Well said by the game. Sounds like it was scripted by your agent. That was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> your attorney helps you form that one. That's pretty good. He has a uh, non-disclosure agreement <laughs> yeah. with his current employer. Yeah. Can't that, talk about that. That's all. Be vague. <laughs> all right, Gabinator, what do we got? What's our first question? All right, so to kick off the very first question on this 50th episode, we have a question about Salt Lake City. Mike writes, what do you feel would be more beneficial for a PT that has been practicing for five years to acquire? A board-certified specialty, such as an OCS or an SES, or a manual therapy certification. Love it. All right, so you're a new grad. Within your first five years, we're a new grad. Okay. Um, so what's, what's more important, getting, getting a board specialty through the APTA or getting a manual therapy cert? What do you think, Dave? You want to start off? Yeah, Dave and Dan are within five years, so yeah. this is good. Let's get your perspective. So I had friends of mine that went from straight from school to their residencies, and they really like wanted to go down that path right away. I personally felt like uh, I didn't want to do that super specialized focus right away. I wanted to get like a general base and see a range of people and then kind of decide what I wanted to do moving forward. I knew I always wanted to be in gymnastics, but I didn't know if that was going to be my main thing. So I did a couple of years of just learning as much as I could, taking courses, and then I went back, did my hours, submitted them, and then took my SES, you know, from the 2,000 hours, and then my own course review. So I think that the information in the SES was extremely helpful, but I will admit that I didn't get, like, the hands-on, you know, in-the-trenches kind of clinical tools that I felt like I needed to kind of treat that population, because it's definitely working right. in sports. It's, it's harder to, to do specific manual therapies or know the biomechanics or things like that. So I would say it's really up to what your main goal is, right? If you know like, oh yeah, I love football, I love baseball, and I'm gonna go right that path, you can do that. But I think that it was better for me to go. I would have rather have shadowed someone on the field for a while and had that mentorship, which is kind of why I started like hanging out with you guys a little bit, because I wanted to know, okay, I read this stuff, how does it apply to actual field work? Right, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, so I just did my OCS. I thought it was great. I learned a ton, and uh, it was a lot of reading and a lot of application, and I think it was more improving my clinical reasoning I'm just more confident with the patients that came in, just having read so much research and feeling confident what I'm saying. I feel like that really helped the patient with their confidence too. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of manual with it, and I would have liked that, and I've thought about doing the fellowships myself. Uh, I've spoken to a few people that have tried to do it. I've spoken to a few of the programs and thought about going through with it. Um, it sounds like you get some pretty good mentorship, but the other thing is I think it's very individual. I think if you find a very good fellowship program that's going to have great um, mentorship and guidance in the way that you want to be mentored, it's going to be great. And then you're going to have some experience that probably aren't as good because you're not finding that right mentor. So I think a lot of it is finding the person that's going to be the right fit for you sure. and finding the right program that's going to give you what you need. Um, I can't really speak to which is better, but I will say the OCS prepared me, but not from a perspective of learning tools better manually. Right. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Lance? I, I agree, Dan, and I, I also just take it the next level. Where do you see yourself in five years? Like how? I'm always looking to see what's the return on my investment. So it's an investment. You're going to spend thousands of dollars to get this done. How is that going to help you where you want to go? Do you want to do a lot of manually based therapy? Do you want to somehow get with a team or something of that nature? So I think it's how you want to where you want to see your, yourself go in your uh, your goals as a as a professional. So. 
Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, I, I, th- I think personally, from my perspective, you guys said it perfect. I, I think if you're saying, what certification do I want? I think maybe you're thinking of it backwards. Maybe you should ask, what knowledge do I want? Right. Um, and then, does this certification give me this knowledge? Uh, because the certs are irrelevant, right? It's actually silly. Like, you getting, like Dave kind of mentioned, if you want to get into sports, you know, maybe do that. But, like, I don't think your SCS helps you get prepared to go into sports. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it's maybe part of the process, but I don't think it necessarily helps with that. So I, I think you got to be careful and you have to have good, clear intentions as to what you're doing. It sounds like to me a clinical specialty versus a manual therapy cert, it sounds like one is more information that I'm going to learn and another one is more hands-on techniques I'm going to learn. So if you feel like you're not book smart enough, which I doubt, maybe that's the route for you. But if you want some practice, you know, with your hands, I, I think that's different. Now, Dan mentioned doing like a fellowship, which prepares you for an OCS or an SES. That's different, right? That's like putting, you know, putting them two together, you know. So, you know, I think just take a step back and say, what do you want to get out of it um, would be, I guess, my advice, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. Gabinator, number two, what do we got? All right, number two comes from Patrick from Austria. <laughs> Patrick writes, Hi, Mike. Love your videos. Thanks for sharing and spreading your knowledge. But I have two questions. Number one, what do the external rotator, why do the external rotators pull the humerus anteriorly, as you say in some articles? If you look at where they are, they should pull the humerus posteriorly? And number two, why does the tight posterior capsule lead to anterior translation of the humerus? Thanks a lot. All right, wow. So, wow, took two questions there. That's bold. That's a bold move. Who's this, Patrick? Patrick, yes. Patrick, bold move, Patrick. Throwing two questions in there. Um, so let's see. First question: posterior. What, uh, how's the posterior rotator cuff? Um, pull it anterior. Pull it anterior. I, I, I'm not sure if I've ever said it pulls it anterior. I think to clear that up, I think it's more that it maybe helps centralize or center the humeral head within the glenoid. So that in and of itself, just by contraction of the rotator cuff and that force vector, would help prevent it from moving around. But I think it's. I think if you're th- maybe that's where you're getting confused. It's not that it specifically does that. It's that it specifically uh, stabilizes and centralizes the. Humeral Head. One part of the puzzle. Yeah, did I? I don't know if I said that well. So I think that just might be off. And then the second part was uh, what was the second part, Gabe? Why does a tight posterior capsule lead to anterior translation of the humerus? Why does the a tight posterior capsule lead to anterior translation of the humerus? Any, anyone want to take that? Or uh, well, I mean, the humerus is going to go to the path of least resistance. So if it can't get posteriorly, it's just going to go opposite. I would imagine just go yeah. where it can. So. If you do determine that they have a tight posterior capsule, then there's a chance that they're going to sit more anteriorly. You see that a lot with uh, an older population, the arthritic shoulder. That's where they tend to get tight, and then the humerus is sitting in a kind of a funky position. You can almost see that it's, like, not centered in the glenoid, and, you know, then then you start wearing away other parts of the joint. It just turns into a headache. But I think that's it. It's this path of least resistance kind of thing. Yes. I mean, imagine, so if the posterior capsule is tight, imagine you're moving your arm around. Let's say you're going into internal rotation. The humeral head wants to go posterior a little bit, right? But if it hits that tight capsule, it's going to hit it and bounce off and actually go anterior because the the posterior capsule is tight. So I I think that's probably, you know, what you're thinking in terms of that, right? So uh, if you look at normal translation, 
rotation in the humeral head. When you externally rotate, you kind of go forward, but then as you continue to externally rotate, you come backwards a little bit and you center after some time. So it goes anterior and then forward, and then posterior, excuse me, as, as the capsule kind of uh, works as like a buttress to that, that movement. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, clear up a couple of biomechanical concepts. I mean, some of those conceptually are a little tricky, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So. Nice. All right, Gavenator, what's number three? Number three comes from Brian in South Dakota. I'm a recent graduate and work in an outpatient facility focused on general orthopedics and sports. One thing that I've noticed a great deal of is chronic pain, whether athlete or not. Although so complex, are there any go-to discussions that you have with these patients or things that you notice that work well when treating? All right, so so somebody has chronic pain with some of our go-to stuff. So, and I did in the question you asked too, which was kind of specific. Some people are are, are you know athletes, I guess we should say. So, um, I you know I think we can. Why don't we start the discussion off by kind of talking about maybe we can break down chronic pain into a, a couple of different things. One is maybe somebody that's chronically injuring themselves. So that's a little different. So let's say you know a, a athlete, you know baseball player's shoulder or you know, a, a, a CrossFit person's shoulder because they, you know, they keep doing things that are aggravating their joint. So that's chronic pain because they keep picking the scab, I guess, right? That's one. I think that's that's different versus someone that's a little bit more chronic pain uh, in terms of more just... Essential like, sensitization. Yeah, right. Yeah, like actual real chronic real pain. Changes. So uh, who wants to start? I mean... I, I can weigh in because I've definitely, so when I came out of school first, I was in that general setting and I definitely kind of swung towards the pain science side. I was seeing a lot of like general low back pain that was very ongoing in nature. So I studied a lot of that, but then as I got shifting more into sports, I found that it was like, I think people are really polarizing on the internet. People are like, there's like a pain science people, there's like the sports med biomechanical ortho people. And I think that people don't realize that there's, they're way more overlapping than they are differentiating. Yeah. So I've had, I've worked with athletes who, you know, the classic example of someone with like low back pain and, and pain science is like somebody walks and like, I blew my disc out and you know, the MRI says this, but that happens in a sporting population too. Not all MRI findings are significant. Sometimes they're very significant, but I've had athletes come in like, oh, I have a, a, a you know, a, a spondy that's like slipping forward a couple millimeters and like, I'm doomed. I have to quit gymnastics forever. I'm like, I'll just like relax like you hurt your back yesterday like let's get through it first and like you know you kind of like walk them off the lights a little bit so I think that it exists yeah. in both but that person can easily become like you said someone who didn't fix their biomechanics and they keep tweaking their back and they feel like they're always in this low lingering state of pain that's involved in sports as well so that's kind of my two cents on it yeah I think um, I was in a similar place I saw quite a bit of fibromyalgia CRPS and I actually really liked that population it's kind of fun to work with I don't know if that's what you're talking about and I agree with Mike you have to figure out what you're working with but I think that even if you are dealing with a patient like that the biomechanics are still important you should still make that part of your examination um, but once you figure that out a few things that I think work really well are just developing some goals a lot of times these individuals are stuck in a, a pattern of whatever it is yeah their hopelessness we right. want to try to make sure that they're working towards something they enjoy and they have a sense of hope and a sense of this can actually get better, which is really good. I think the other thing that's important for these individuals is that you have to look at their, their lifestyle on a regular basis and just make sure that they're not continually irritating. A lot of times, and I just had a patient like this yesterday, is that they keep on just plowing through all of their regular activities because they know they need to get things done. But going to the grocery store for a chronic pain patient could be too much for them, right? So if you think about that potentially biomechanically, it's like, well, maybe you need to go to a smaller store or shop twice a week or something like that. 
So the thing that I found a lot of success with these individuals is not necessarily just getting in one exercise program and getting moving. That's obviously very important. What's breaking up their week? It's like if you're going to exercise on Monday, maybe you shouldn't shop on Monday. Maybe you work that into your your Tuesday and you set up your week that way. Um, and there's obviously a lot of things you can do, but that's probably one of the first things I do with my patients: just educate about that and try to set up on a plan that works towards their goals and works their lifestyle into a, a plan that works. Yeah, well, well said. I mean, Dave said it well. I mean, if you you can follow people on Twitter and think that pain science is the most important thing that we should be we should be focused on, but you know, I think that's only on a certain percentage of population or so. If you try to do that on on the masses, I think you're gonna you're gonna really swing and miss. Um, I know I've had I've had a couple of episodes in my career where I had complete chronic pain people where where it wasn't responding and it it wasn't orthopedic and it, that's you know that's not my wheelhouse. So I I tried to I tried to approach it with like a pain science conversation and it never goes well you know they're they you know I, I, I trust me I did it way better than probably most people you know perceive that that it should be done on, on Twitter um, at least but um, they still I think it, the, the person was looking for help right and mm-hmm. trying to tell them that it's in their head or it's a perceived threat and those things I mean sometimes you got to be careful with that type of thing so I think the key is finding the balance on how to how to build that into your program you know, but realistically, I, 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 you know, there's a big difference between the chronic pain person and somebody that really has a problem. The problem is, is, is when we try to apply pain science to somebody that has a real problem, <laughs> yeah, that, that has a legit biomechanical structural problem. I mean, it, your you, shoulder you, dislocating is very threatening. Yeah, you know, you're, you know, we ju- we kind of had this conversation yesterday with somebody. You know, like you, you know, you, you sprained your AC joint checking somebody into the boards. Okay, you're a hockey player. I mean, I don't think we have to look at your diet. I don't think we have to talk about pain signs. You just smash somebody into the boards and pop your AC joint. So let's focus on what matters with that. So you know, I, you know, I think that's how you have to look at chronic pain. You know, and the athlete, you know, uh, the athlete that has chronic pain to me is probably someone that just is chronically beating themselves up. I think that's different. You try to do pain science on them, that makes no sense. Yeah. Right. So you know, you got to be careful. I mean, I think an important thing, kind of <coughs> dovetailing off of these guys, is just connecting with the patient. 100%. As a PT, um, you can quickly understand what's going on with somebody just getting a good subjective and hearing their story, and you need to really give them not just information about pain science, but I mean, giving them hope, giving them a feeling that you can help them, even if it's small incremental steps, that you you understand what they're going through. I think it's the whole empathy thing, sympathy thing, whatever the two differences uh, empathy um, and just give them hope you understand their issue and just giving them small incremental goals like Dan mentioned but the small goals it may seem small to you but just give them a goal and they hit it and then you are super positive like you pump them up you get that adrenaline rush or the endorphin release they need that positive that positive nature in their life they don't have it they are spiraling down and I think just giving them hope that's huge for us and I think we, we do a pretty good job here despite seeing a lot of athletes we do get the chronic pain person that is searching the internet for help because they've been everywhere you yeah. know And I would say the last little piece that I have is that whether you're a sports biomechanics or orthopedic, oftentimes you get in a rut of hearing keywords and jumping directly to something. So you hear, like, I've had back pain or fibro, and instantly your brain thinks, like, oh, chronic pain, and you start giving them this spiel. Or same thing with biomechanics, you give them this spiel, right? But, like, let them tell their story. Exactly, exactly. You took the words in my mouth. Like, let them tell you, and you'll pick it up right away. Whether it's someone like, oh, yeah, we're going to go a little easier today, just talk generally. Yeah. 
I think uh, in this, sorry, too much time on this, but uh, <laughs> in the chronic pain population, building rapport is huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think the research all supports that for outcomes. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. building really good rapport with those people is, is important. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, good answers. I like it. Perfect. Awesome. That's three. That's a wrap. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gabe and Ader, everybody. Yay. A round of applause. Yeah. Thank you all for having me on. Yeah, the yep. Gabinator, thank you so much. Fiftieth episode again. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, this ride that we're doing here and, and a good year of podcasts under our belt. So uh, if you like it, please subscribe, go to iTunes, rate us, review us, whatever the heck you're supposed to do, uh, and go and ask us questions on MikeRinald.com. Click that podcast button and hopefully we uh, will keep getting some awesome questions. So thank you so much guys and uh, we'll have another special episode on the hundredth episode, right? Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.